It is so good to be here this Sunday. It's good to see you all. Um, for those of you who are new, welcome to Church Unlimited City. For those of you who um, have come back, welcome back. <laughs> and for those of you from West Church visiting, welcome to City. It is so good to have you here. My name is Susie, and I get the privilege and honor to share this morning, which I'm very, very honored. <laughs> Thank you. Um, I feel a little bit like Paul when he was addressing the Romans and he said he was, I really like like Paul. <laughs> um, I just, I feel like he was so, he felt so encouraged and he encouraged the Romans and he said, um, I'm so encouraged that I get to be here and share with you and impart spiritually. But then also he was like, I'm encouraged by you. Um, thank you, Taryn. <laughs> um, I'm encouraged by you, by your spiritual fruits and your spiritual growth. So just as much as me sharing, I want to also be encouraged by you. I want to be encouraged that today that actually you have eyes to see and ears to hear what God is doing, not what I'm saying, but what God's saying. And that today that you don't leave with just empty words, but today you leave change and transform. That today, it doesn't matter how long you've been a Christian for, that you take a new step of faith, that you grow in your faith this morning. Yeah. So um, I have, um, I have been at Church Unlimited for about nine years, I think. Um, I'm originally from South Africa, and then also moved to Christchurch with my family. Um, but now I call Church Unlimited my home. It probably, it probably keeps me in Auckland uh, to be at Church Unlimited. Um, and I probably... I was thinking about it and I was like, I know you all pretty well. I know your families, I know what you do, but you probably don't know my family, because my family lives in Christchurch, and my family is one of the most important things to me. And so I thought I'd introduce, the, introduce you to my family through pictures, obviously, because they're in Christchurch. Um, but that's my dad. I love him to bits, and he's been my rock. He's uh, been my constant encourager. He's taught me the Father's love, um, and I'm so grateful. He's taught me how to be a Christian, a man of faith. And there's my sisters. Um, so someone smart, the one at the end, um, decided that we'd have themed Christmases. We'd all dress the same color. So obviously that, that was a white themed Christmas. Um, and, um, and yeah, we were called the five Anns because all our names end with Anne. Leanne, Diane, Suzanne, Marion, and Roseanne. I know, very cheesy, right? But I love it. And that's our crazy bunch. That's my, um, so go back to one. Um, so that my, the last picture showed my niece, Isabel, and my nephew, Eli. And that's pretty much us in a nutshell. Um, and then the next picture last is our newest addition. She's Evie. And I love her so much. She has the best smile. And she is always smiling. And she's always so calm. And her favorite song is Incy Wincy Spider. And I sang it over and over again last Last week when I was with them, I hate spiders, but I wanted to be the favorite, so I sang it it's the same. <laughs> but that's my family. I hope that that um, takes you into my heart a little bit because they are my heart. Um, and yeah, I hope you know me a little bit more this morning. Um, so we're going to start off by playing a video before I get into it. So um, team, can you play that video? came across this very interesting story about a man called Kimball. Apparently he was a Sunday school teacher who just wanted to serve God. He would show up to church every Sunday and serve faithfully in teaching the little children about Jesus Christ. He was a Sunday school teacher who had a great passion, who wanted to do more than just doing it on Sundays. 
So during the weekdays, he would actually follow through with all the children who came to his class on Sunday to make sure that they understood who Jesus was and to help them understand a better relationship with him. And there was one kid in his class who came from a very rough background and couldn't understand who God was. So Kimball would take the extra step in going and visiting this kid in his place of work. And they, back in those days, it was, you know, the kids were working as laborers. They would visit him at a shoe store where he worked and would tell them about Jesus and would kept persuading him about what an amazing plan that Jesus had for his life. And finally, in the back of the store, this little young kid you know, accepts Jesus Christ as his Lord and Savior. And his name was D.L. Moody, an amazing man of God. And because someone called Richard Kimball decided he was going to pursue him. But here's the interesting thing. The story doesn't end there. The story actually begins there. Because D.L. Moody received this incredible salvation experience. and says, I got to do something about it. Quits his job and begins preaching the gospel. And God uses D.L. Moody to go throughout the whole world. And when D.L. Moody was traveling in the United States, there was a man called Wilbur Chaplin who hears the message of D.L. Moody in one of the evangelistic crusades and responds to the message says, I gotta, I gotta do something for Jesus. And Wilbur Chapman then begins to preach the gospel himself. And while Wilbur Chapman is preaching the gospel, a baseball player who was well known in America listens to the message of Wilbur Chapman. At the end of his crusade, he comes up and gives up his life to Jesus. And his name was Billy Sunday. And Billy Sunday, right after he receives Jesus, quits his career at baseball and says, I'm going to devote the rest of my life in serving Jesus Christ. So he begins to do crusades just like Wilbur Chapman does. And as Billy Sunday begins preaching the gospel, a man called Mordecai Ham, who is a very astute gentleman, who is very refined, who is seated in his crusade, hears the message of Jesus Christ, stands up and gives his life for Jesus Christ. And this guy, Mordecai Ham, goes to a little town called Charlotte in North Carolina, and he's preaching the gospel in a tent crusade meeting. And there's a bunch of kids who are standing outside, and they were saying, we got to go in there, and we're going to cause trouble tonight in that meeting. And in that bunch of friends, there was one kid who didn't want to cause trouble, but he just wanted to see what would happen when they caused trouble. So he walked into that tent meeting to come and see what would happen when his friends would cause trouble. But as he sat there in that tent meeting, hearing Mordecai Ham preach the gospel, something within him resonated. And he said, I got to respond to this. So he went the next night, and the next night when he heard the gospel, he went up to the altar and gave his life to Jesus Christ. His name was Billy Graham. And Billy Graham, hold on, I'm not done yet. Billy Graham, till date, it has been estimated that through the ministry of Billy Graham, 2.2 billion people have heard the gospel of Jesus Christ through the ministry of Billy Graham. It all began in a chain of series with a man called Kimball, a Sunday school teacher. Of all people who said, I'm going to be devoted with the gifting that God has placed in my life, I'm going to do it every Sunday sincerely. I'm going to go out of my way and I'm going to tell these kids about Jesus and what he started ended up reaching 2.2 billion people and more because we're not taking into account all the other people who got saved to all the other evangelists who were saved in the process as well. Never underestimate what God can do through a simple act of service that you do for his kingdom. You need to recognize that what God has given, whether you think it's significant or not, in God's eyes, is absolutely significant. How good. Yeah, that video deserves.
hand. Came across as very interesting again, story though, about me. <laughs> but thank you, team. Um, that video was so inspiring. I listened to it, and while I was preparing, I listened to it, and I got so inspired and fired up. And um, I just can't believe just a simple act could also just go along and influence 2.2 billion people. Um, but that's the power of the gospel. And uh, from a Sunday school teacher to a shoe repairman, right through to Billy Graham. Um, I don't know about you, but that, that inspires me and that excites me and that stirs me up. And I love stories. I, I don't know. I, I love, do you love stories? I love stories because I think it just paints a picture and you just learn so much more. I, can't, I love facts and I love truth, but I love stories. Like it just, it just puts so much color to things. And so I have another story for you. And um, it's about this girl and she has a sim similar story to what we've heard. And, um, and she knew there was a God. She went to church until she didn't. Um, she grew up timid. She never spoke. She sat in the shadows of her parents and her sisters and then to only grow up to her parents divorcing and to then having toxic relationships and uh, going through addiction and thoughts of suicide. And she dropped out of high school and, uh, and her family went through depression to one day being invited to church by one of her colleagues at a retail store. And, um, and so she worked here as well. And this, this was one of the years where she was going through her hardest time and she was the furthest away from God. But this colleague kept inviting her, even though she sidestepped, she used all the excuses in the book. She, she kept inviting her, even though this colleague knew that she wasn't living the best Christian life, she kept inviting her. And then finally, the girl went to church. I don't know what um, made her go, but she went. And that same night, she gave her life back to Jesus. And that she had no idea what she was doing or what God had in store for her. But fast forward a couple of years later, she got baptized. She went to Bible college, of all things. Um, she went and got herself a degree. She became a part of a church family. And now she likes to call herself a child of God, saved to love God and to love people. See, the story doesn't end there. It actually begins there. And that girl was me. It wasn't a pastor that brought me back to church. It was, it was a retail assistant that was on fire for Jesus and passionate about winning souls for the kingdom. Through an act of persistence, boldness, and obedience, change and transformation happened. In Mark 16, 15, it says to go out and preach the gospel, to go out and share the good news. So let's pray. Why don't we bow Yes, Lord God, I thank you that you are here, Holy Spirit. That Jesus, your, your good news, your gospel, your, the salvation that you bring is so, so powerful. And Lord, I pray this morning that you'll give us eyes to see and ears to hear and hearts to receive. Change us, transform us, and Lord, send us out. Send us out this morning, Lord God, to go and bring change and transformation for your kingdom. I pray, Holy Spirit, come and speak through me. Holy Spirit, cut through the hearts that are in here. And I pray, Holy Spirit, open the heavens and pour down this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. All right. Well, we've heard some killer preaching um, over the last few weeks. Can you, do you agree? With, yes, Pastor Jules brought a great word, and then Pastor Tuck has just been on fire. Um, and he, and last week, um, 
he, I wasn't here, but I listened online, um, about he preached on the final command. And this week, I'll be preaching on the final command, part two. And I'll be sharing on three misconceptions of, of sharing the gospel and the final command. And in 1 Timothy 2, 4, it says, God, our Savior, who wants all men to be saved and to come to the knowledge of truth. Last week, Pastor Tuck mentioned a powerful statement. He said, we're straight from being fishers of men to being keepers of the aquarium. That was by Paul Harvey. And this morning, I am stirred for change. I am stirred for change. I um, and I'm stirred for change for myself and for this church and for this world. And I don't believe we should be sitting in our pews, but I think we should step into our platforms, whatever that is. We need to step out into that role of fishers of men. That's God's heart as we read in 1 Timothy 2.4. Um, and I was preparing last night and I came upon this um, this prophetic, um, I'm just going to get this out. Um, I came upon this, upon this prophetic word. Um, sorry, I'll get it out. Um, yeah, and it was by Dave, it was by Greta Peters. Um, and she spoke it in 2017. Um, I've got the date here, 1st of October, 2017. And she was speaking in to City Church. And I think it's really relevant and really powerful. And I just came upon it last night. And she was saying that Jesus, so these, this, Jesus was saying this, and she was spoke it out. She said, I have planted you here to evangelize the campus. This is a major part of your mandate. We are in a new era of evangelism, new era of salvation. The Lord is going to release a fiery passion to evangelize among you. She spoke that in 2017, and I, I really believe, I really believe this, that that is our mandate. That is our calling. That we are called to evangelize. We are called to go out of the church. And this morning, um, we will be reading from Mark 16, 1 to 15. And bear with me as I read it out aloud, all 15 scriptures. Um, if you have your Bibles, please turn with me. Um, you know how I love stories? That's why I'm reading all the verses, so that we can have a little bit of a painted picture. Okay. Uh, if you don't have your Bibles, you can look up to the screen. Now, when the Sabbath was passed, Mary Magdalene, Mary the mother of James and Salome, bought spices that they might come and anoint him. Very early in the morning, on the first day of the week, they came to the tomb um, when the sun had risen. And they said among themselves, who will roll away the stone from the door of the tomb for us? But when they looked up, they saw that the stone had been rolled away, for it was very large. And entering the tomb, they saw a young man clothed in a long white robe sitting on the right side and they were alarmed but he said to them do not be alarmed you seek Jesus of Nazareth who was crucified he's risen he's not here see the place where they had laid him but go tell his disciples and Peter that he is going before you into Galilee there you will see him and he uh, as he said to you so they went out quickly and fled from the tomb for they trembled and were amazed and they said nothing to anyone, for they were afraid. Now, when he rose early on the first day of the week, he appeared first to Mary Magdalene, out of whom he had cast seven demons. She went out and told those who had been with him as they mourned and wept. And when they heard that he was alive and had been seen by her, they did not believe. After that, he appeared in another form to two of them as they walked and went into the country. And they went and told it to the rest, but they did not believe them either. 
Later, he appeared to the leaven as they sat at the table, and he rebuked the unbelief and hardness of heart, because they did not believe those who had seen him after he had risen. And he said to them, Go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. In Mark 16, verse 1 and 2, the women purchased spices so they could go to the tomb early the next morning and anoint Jesus' Jesus's body as a sign of love, devotion, and respect. And, and nowadays, that would be like us taking flowers to a grave. However, these women faced two overwhelming problems as they set out to honor Jesus' body, the Roman guards and the huge rock in the tomb's doorway. Impossible obstacles. So it makes me wonder, what did these women expect to accomplish that early on Sunday? Like, were they going to move the rocks? Um, yet, urged by love and gratitude, they walked on, even as they wondered the same questions, surely. Um, the church's mission to send the gospel to all the world is filled with overwhelming obstacles. Any one of them appears devastating. You know, there's human stubbornness. There's diseases like covid danger, there's terrorism, there's trafficking, there's loneliness, there's sin, there's depression, there's suicide, there's greed, even church strife and corruption. But these two women leave all those things behind, all these obstacles behind in love and gratitude for Jesus. Jesus's story breaks through barriers such as ethnicity, race, nationality, religious barriers, status, fame, and so much more so he could bring the good news, so he could bring salvation to the people. And we are called and purposed to go out and share the good news. Just like the two women left and was told to tell the disciples that Jesus had risen, they ran. But I noticed something interesting in verse 8. It says that the women trembled and were amazed, but they didn't say anything. How true is that? That we, um, you know, we know the truth here in church. We see miracles. We see signs and wonders. We know that Jesus came to heal and free us. It amazes us. But the question is, are we sharing this to everyone and anyone we see? Have we gone out and shared the gospel, the good news, the good news? With this instruction from Jesus, the final command in this day and age, we do have some preconceived misconceptions about going out and preaching the gospel and sharing the good news, which I believe stops us and prevents us from living out this command. Um, and I'd like to share that this morning, if you don't mind. I thought, man... Uh, preparing for this, I was like, oh, I wanted to say a few jokes about Zach and, you know, all the boys and, you know, make you guys laugh. But I really believe that this is actually the heart of God. And actually, <laughs> and this is, um, you know, it is what God wants us to do. It's our mandate. It's our calling. And, and firstly, um, there is that preconceived misconception that there's two types of people in church, the clergy and laity. Um, clergy meaning church leaders, pastors, ministers, missionaries, that they're superior. And laity meaning lay people, people that work in the marketplace. Neither of these words are in the Bible, you know? So why do we use them? And why do we categorize ourselves like that? But majority of Christians, they think they're not anointed or called to reach the world. And in Acts 4, when people saw the boldness of Peter and John when sharing about Jesus and perceived that they were uneducated and untrained men, they marveled. Like they were like, what? Why are they sharing this? But at the same time, they believed and they weren't church pastors or ministers or anything like that. But Peter and John were untrained, yet they went out and taught about Jesus. It's wrong to believe that only pastors or church leaders or missionaries are called to go out and make a difference and live out the final um, command. 
See, we all have one purpose, and that is to love God and love people. We all are needed. We all are needed for the Great Commission. Earlier, I mentioned that Jesus was able to break through so many barriers, like ethnicity, job titles, disabilities, status, nationality. The gospel is wonder-working and can break through anything. Just like we read in Mark, the angel used Mary Magdalene, the lady who um, had seven demons in her, to communicate an important message. Pastors and church leaders are here to empower you so that you can go out in your communities and you can go out into your families and friendships and workplaces and preach Jesus to them. There are people in your life that I could probably never relate to. Like, think about it. I could probably never relate to some of the people in your life. They're probably like, what? <laughs> Who's this gal? Um, but they need your personality. They need your flavor. They need your past. They need your background. And they need you to be who Jesus has made you for them. They need you. And in the Good Samaritan story, Jesus tells of how two religious people, the priest and Levite, walked past this man who was being beaten and bleeding to death. And I don't know, it makes me question why. Like they were a priest and they're, uh, you know, but they just walked past. And I guess there's, there's a few reasons. And one, maybe they were too fearful. Maybe, you know, that road was uh, known as the way of the blood because there were many muggings and killings. So maybe they didn't want to put their lives at risk. Or maybe it was too busy on the journey. And I get like this. I get so busy sometimes. That it was it's too, it's too busy to help a stranger, uh, you know, and it might be inconvenient. Or maybe they were too holy and in, to engage in religious duties and they might, might have seen it as a, you know, as a spiritual distraction or unspiritual distraction. And, you know, maybe. Um, and, but we need to see everything we do as an act of worship. And this morning, I want to share something because I so fit the priest and the Levite. Like, to be honest, and I want to be real, I, I, I have lived that. And this morning, I want to share because I want to break that misconception. I'm so guilty of being like the two religious people. Recently, actually there was someone outside our church and I was sitting um, and, <laughs> and I was sitting up for um, for an event and I was just busy running around as I do and um, I actually saw her I saw her there um, well before and I was like and everything in my being said to go and help her and to go and be with her go and comfort her but I just didn't I froze. And then a few moments later, someone also saw that and they were like, we should go. But then someone else came and helped her. But just like that, that was an opportunity to share Jesus and share the love of God. And again, I was at a cafe and I was having a yarn to the person I was with. And I saw someone in the corner of my eyes that I knew um, from high school. She was a high school friend and acquaintance. And I know she doesn't know Jesus. And we are friends on Facebook. But I just, it was the first time in years that I, I seen her. And I've never talked to her since high school. And I see her now. I'm like, I freeze and I avoid. And then, um, and then she walks away the other way. And I'm like, oh, thank God. And then, <laughs> and, then, and then she comes. And then I'm just having a yarn, continuing my coffee. And then all of a sudden, I look up. And she's there. And she's still on the phone. But then we both make eye contact and I freeze again and I look away and I avoid and I was like wow I felt so bad the rest of the day I still feel bad right now and I'm like I'm thinking of messaging her and being like hey I saw you but 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 you know that was <laughs> that was an opportunity to point her to Jesus man God meant she needs God she needs Jesus and just saying hi and being like you know like it would have just been a hi it would have 
change and it would have opened the door for me to share Jesus. You know, we need to be unashamed of the gospel, you know, and it doesn't mean we stop any random everywhere we go, but it, it, and it doesn't mean giving our tracks every single day. No, but actually teaching about Jesus means that we introduce them to the person, works and word of who he is. It is wrong to believe that only pastors or church leaders or missionaries are called to make a difference and live out the final command. We all have one purpose, and that is to love God and love his people. It doesn't matter where you're from or what job you have. You are called to go out and share. And how do we do that? Well, simple things like pray. Pray for opportunities. That day I prayed for an opportunity. That was my opportunity. And, you know, pray for, and pray for salvation for your family. You know, give. give. If, you, if you're able, give towards the people being unreached. Invite people to church. Invitation is just one question. You know, do you want to come to a life group? Or do you want to come to youth group? Or do you want to come to kids' church? Um, it was awesome. Pastor Julian, he invited that there's a man that works in this cafe downstairs, and he invited their kids to just come to kids' church. And right now, he's working in the cafe, and the kids are in kids' church right now. Just an invitation, you know? And, or share something on social media that invites people or tells people about Jesus. During lockdown, I was stirred to share my testimony. Um, and I think most of you might not even know my testimony. And I shared it on, on Facebook through a video. It was a few minutes long to do it heaps of time so I could keep in the time frame. It sucked. But anyway, I did it. And then after, I was like, God, I was feeling kind of low because I shared a lot of stuff and I was very vulnerable. And I was like, God, did I do the right thing? Did I share it? And I was like, man, God, like, was it, was it for your glory? Like, and then God showed me this vision, which left me in tears of people being saved and, and people actually having salvation because of it. And I was just so, I just confirmed that, man, actually testimony is so powerful and that God is going to use that. That wasn't done in vain, but actually God is a God of testimony. God is a God, you know, of breakthrough, of freedom, and that is going to be used. So anything we share of our testimonies or on social media, it will, it will make a difference. It will um turn people to Jesus or point people to Jesus. And also some really easy things to do. You can be kind. You can be love. You can forgive. Always forgive. People in this time and day find forgiveness so hard. But when you forgive, you represent Jesus. So many times when I've forgiven someone, that, that person being forgiven questions that why? Why so much grace? Why so much forgiveness? Why? Because of Jesus. And that's an opportunity right there. And so well, that leads me to my second misconception, and, and, and it is the focal point of Christianity is church services inside a building, which is amazing and hilarious because all the lost people are outside the building, right? And so the mark of a great church is not its seating capacity, but it's its sending capacity. And I hope that that's what you take, that it's not about being seated here or how many people are here, but it's how many people are going out and bringing people to cheat to church. Um, the blueprint of a church is in Acts 247. The Lord added to the church daily those who were being saved. And in Acts 241, it says the day, that day about 3,000 souls were added to them. See, that day at Pentecost, the Spirit of God came. It empowered people. Why? Because Jesus promised that they will go 
um, that, they will, uh, that he will go, but his spirit will come and be with us. But what happened next? 3,000 people were saved. That's what happened next. This is a blueprint of a church and not how good the music is or worship or lighting or the pictures or the morning tea, which is delicious and great coffee. No, the mark of a great church is souls being saved and added to the kingdom. Like that's the mark of a great church. And I also believe that this for, to, for this to become a reality is for us to go out the four walls, we need to be in relationship with God. This is what I learned during lockdown, that we need to depend on our relationship with Jesus and depend on the Holy Spirit. It can't just be a Sunday thing. It, it has to be an everyday thing. And these are things you already know, but we need to constantly be in relationship with Jesus so we can have revelation of who he is, and then we can replicate who he is. And that's how people are going to know who Jesus is. We develop, when we develop our relationship with Jesus, we spend more time with God at church and with, with his people also in his word and prayer and fasting. We become more and more like Jesus. And slowly, but, but by slowly, he reveals himself more and more through us. God's heart is more and more that people get to know Jesus that people get saved and added to the kingdom so that we can come together in unity and worship God, to encounter God through as a church, as a people of God, we can be revived together. And there's this picture that I um, of Jared that we shared in our social media, and it's going to come up shortly. And um, it's just such a powerful image, and it's such a powerful image of Jared. He's getting prayed for in church, and it's a representation of just being filled with the Holy Spirit. But then the picture after is him serving people. It's him going out of the four walls, even though that was outside our church, so it was. <laughs> it was outside the four walls. And he was serving people and, you know, giving his time. And if anyone knows, Jared, he's such a servant heart. But that's exactly what we're meant to do. We're meant to go to church. We're meant to be in church, but so we can go and be the church outside of the four walls. You know, and I'm like you, I'm in the same boat. And maybe some of you have already jumped out of the boat and you're already bringing someone to Jesus every day. But my prayer is that you would stand with me in the rest of Church Unlimited, that you stand in our mandate and our calling and our purpose and choose every day to point people to Jesus with our actions, words, conversations, obedience to the prompting of the Holy Spirit, but also being the Jesus, being bold and courageous and sacrificial, sharing hope and freedom everywhere you go. It's time to stop have sitting down faith, and it's time to stand up in our faith. And the reality is that there is a heaven and a hell. The reality is that, you know, eternity is real and earth is not our home. And it's a massive topic. And, and, do you, and I think the thought of going to heaven, it, it, it dawned on me for a while. And I was like, am I going to heaven? Like, God, am I? And until I know, knew who Jesus was and until I actually developed my relationship with God and I knew I had a heavenly father and Jesus Christ saved me, that's when I was like, of course I'm going to heaven. But you know what? That's not a reality for maybe some of you here, but maybe some of your family and friends. Maybe you don't know if you're going to heaven or not. And, and you know, there's a story by Salwyn Hughes and he um he had a vision. He had a vision that he was walking through a stretch pathway in London and there were people streaming through and they were running and they were running towards something. And there was a man with a red lantern shouting, go back, go back. And then he was transported by the spirit to look where these people were going. And they... Um, and, and he realized why the man was shouting. The road ended in sheer drop. 
and people got close to it and they were unable to turn back because there were all these people pushing forward and they couldn't go back. And he heard their cries and his life was haunted by those cries, which he calls the cry of the lost. And it's sad, it's sad, but that's the reality that people who don't know Jesus, your friends, families, colleagues, whoever, you know, they, they're not going to see heaven. They're not going to be there for eternity. We don't want our family and friends to go through that. So the, so the focal point of Christianity is not our church services. We are called to go out of the four walls. And how? By making moves. It's time we get, get out of the pews and we go out and step into our platforms, into our workplaces, into our homes, our families, our communities, our doctors, our neighbors, to share Jesus through our actions, our words, our invitation, to give 30 seconds more of our time. The last misconception I have um, is that marketplace ministers are not as spiritual as church ministers. This is so far from the truth. This is so, so far from the truth. And in, in Matthew 22, 36 to 40, it says that love the Lord your God with all your heart and all your soul and all your mind. And the second is love your neighbor as yourself. It's not only church ministers, mandates and callings to call back um, the lost home. It's a collective purpose and calling. The final command, the great commission is for all people, not just church leaders or pastors or ministers, like I mentioned earlier, I can't reach the people that you can reach. God specifically put you in your community to reach the people around you. You are an influencer of your community. Just like, I, like Instagram social influencers, you know, or the YouTubers or, you know, those famous people. You don't need a blue tick or you don't need 10,000 followers. God has made you a social influencer in your community. And you have been chosen and appointed to lead your community to Jesus and then to be the Jesus. Great opportunities to help others seldom come. Um, but the ones that surround us, are, the small ones surround us daily. You don't have to preach a sermon every Sunday. You just have to preach with your actions, with your words, with a spirit of invitation. Most people out there want to be included. You know, church, I said earlier, I stay in Auckland because of church. It's, uh, it's churches where I feel the most home. And it's because, I, one, I know I'm a child of God and I belong here. But also I'm surrounded by amazing people. I want people to have that too. Like, I, I actually want people to have a seat at the table and be included and be a part of the kingdom of God. And in Mark 16, the two women were probably never given the time or day. They didn't have the status. They weren't preachers. Women were looked as lowly beings, but they were devoted to Jesus, grateful to Jesus. They wanted to do everything they could for him. The angel met with them first. What a privilege to tell them to share the good news that Christians, that Christ has risen. Not the priest, not the pastor, not the church leader, just two simple women, one of which was classed a sinner. 2 Corinthians 5.18 says, God has given us the ministry of reconciliation. We all have the ministry to reconcile the loss to Jesus in us. I remember sometime last year, I was finishing off my professionals for law, and I was praying and asking God, okay, what's next? Um, surely a law job. Surely you'll um, help me, you know, get, get up there and develop my career, God, and, you know, it's going to be great. And, and, you know, and I heard a whisper, and he said, that's never going to satisfy you, Suze. Um, and... I, and I thought about it, and it's so true. I could be working in any field, but what's going to satisfy me is bringing people to Jesus. It's to love God and love people. Um, that, will, that will satisfy. You will only truly be satisfied by living out the greatest command. And 
living out the Great Commission by going out every day with intention to pointing people to Jesus. We all have different giftings, strengths. Um, in 2 Timothy 1.6, it reminds us to stir up the gift of God, which is in you. And just like Kimbo in the video we watched, he used his gift of teaching to serve at church. The fruits of that came, 2.2 billion people hearing the gospel. For you, this could be your, your hospitality. This could be the conversations you have at lunch at your workplace. This could be in study group at uni. This could be when you're helping a stranger, or maybe you're working in the community already. Maybe you already work with Christians. My question to you is then, are you equipping them or encouraging them to go out and preach the gospel to their communities, to their schoolmates, to their families? The church that does not evangelize will fossilize. John 20, 21 says, Jesus said to them again, peace to you as the Father has sent me, I also send you. Marketplace ministers have the same authority as any church leader, clergy or not. There's never the right time and the time is now to go out into all the world and preach the gospel of Jesus Christ, to love God and love your neighbor. I watched this video recently of a girl in America sharing her story and loving her neighbor. And she went on to talk about how she had this neighbor that she hardly, um, she hardly saw. She, they parked their cars next to each other. She went past. She'd smell weed sometimes. And she'd do everything and anything to avoid this neighbor. You know, she never gave him the time or day. Until one day she heard this loud bang. And it was at the cops. And um, she put her, um, her TV down just to listen what was going on. And they were sent through crisis management because he was just about to commit suicide. The girl was devastated because this darkness was down the hall from her and she didn't even know I would be devastated. She said her mentality was that she would wait to settle down in marriage and, you know, and, and, be, support and, and, and be supported and then deal with neighbors like that. The incident gave her a rude awakening, and she went on to say that there's never the right time. The time is now to influence and impact and love your neighbor. We are called to love God and love people. We are called to go out and preach the goodness of God everywhere we go. We are called to make disciples. So what are you going to do about it? Church, maybe you're like the girl I just spoke about. You're comfortable. You don't think it's right. Or maybe you feel like you have enough on right now with your own life. And, well, can I challenge you? One day I was going through something, and I was all about me. And someone close to me said, you know, the best medicine is to help someone else. And I did go on to helping others, and I felt so much better. The world needs us. The people around us need us to share Jesus and be the Jesus. And to con conclude, Mark 16, 15 says, Jesus' final command was to go out into all the world, our world, and beyond, and preach the good news. There is no divide between clergy and laity. We, are all, we all have one purpose, and that's to love God and love people. Church is so much better, uh, bigger than just Sunday services. It's about stepping outside your four walls. It's about relationship with Jesus, about bringing people to Jesus. And lastly, we all have the same authority and power which lives within us not just ministers. This is your time. You have authority and power to bring change and transformation through Jesus in your community, in your workplace, to your neighbor. You just have to stand up and move in faith. And um, 
this morning, um, I know that it might have been a heavy message and you heard it last week as well, but this is God's heart cry for us as a church to step out in faith, to leave, um, to leave fear behind, to leave unbelief behind, to step out in faith and boldness and to be the extraordinary, to be changed, to be transformation, to not, when people come and share things to you, not to be like, oh, I've got too much to listen to you, but actually sit down, have a cup of tea and listen to them and share Jesus and share the love of God, you know, to make a difference, to share Jesus, be bold, and let's not be unashamed of the gospel, you know. I'm, I'm in the same boat and I'm preaching to myself, but you know, it's time, it's time that we step up and we see change and we can only see that through us, through our actions. And this morning, um, if I can invite the band up, um, we are going to do a few things and, um, you know, in Acts, the Holy Spirit came and people were empowered and people, um, People were saved and people spoke in tongues and there was just miracles and there was breakthroughs. And I can say, say so much, but the Holy Spirit needs to minister you, to you this morning. And um, if we could all stand, um, we're going to do a few things this morning. And, um, and firstly, I guess... Um, you might not know who, you might not know this Jesus that I'm talking about, or you're like, man, you want me to share about Jesus? I don't, I don't know this guy. Um, and that's okay because I want to give you an opportunity. Or maybe you knew Jesus, but, and people kept inviting you to church just like me. And you said, no, but this is your time to choose Jesus to say, man, God, I'm committed to you. I want relationship with you. I want to see change and transformation happen in my life this morning. And so I want to give you a time to put your hand up and say yes to Jesus, to give Jesus your all today, this morning, um, to commit your life to him. Because in the Bible, it says that Jesus Christ died on the cross for you, that he died, um, he died for your sins that you are healed, you are forgiven, you are free because of Him. And this morning, Jesus wants to meet with you. And if you don't know Him, I'd love to introduce you to Him through prayer. And so if you just wanted to give me a wave, and church, if you want to pray with me, and I, I encourage you, don't let fear hold you down. Don't let um, unbelief hold you down or bitterness hold you down. If you once knew Jesus, you can know Him again. We should know Jesus. Jesus is here to save and deliver. And if you have never had a relationship with Jesus, this is your opportunity. This is your time to know Him. And so I'm going to give this a few minutes because I do believe that we should be right with, with God. And accepting Jesus in our heart makes us right with God. And this is a step towards heaven. Earth is not our home. do want to be right with God, um, I encourage you to pray, church. If you don't know who Jesus is, this is your opportunity um, to choose Him. Or choose Him again and again. And 
give me away. Well, I haven't seen any hands yet, but if you do want to give your life to Jesus again, um, come see me at the end or come see one of our prayer team members. We'd love to pray with you. I have a few things to do this morning um, because, like I said, I can't do anything, but only God can, only Holy Spirit can. And this morning, I hope it, it, it takes humility to step out in faith. It takes humility to be like, God, I need you and I need to be refilled. And maybe you are in, in that boat of, um, of fear and unbelief and when it comes like me you avoided any 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 time to actually just meet with someone and talk about Jesus maybe that's you and maybe you need to be filled with faith and be filled with boldness and be filled with courage and today I believe Holy Spirit wants to fill you wants to fill you wants to fill you with that and we need to surrender the final call um, final command you know, John Wesley died at 88 and he left a six-pound note, a six silver six silver spoons, a small collection of books, a garment that he preached in, and something else. What was that? He left the Methodist church. So what will you leave behind and what will you be remembered for? You know, even if it's a small act as a retail assistant, bringing someone to Jesus, persisting in, in boldness. God wants to use you. And we're going to sing this. Um, this is a move. We're going to sing. And um, I encourage you, if you want to step out in faith, to take a step forward, to come to the altar, and actually have your time with God. And if it is fear and unbelief you're holding on to, then let it go. Let it go. Do your business with God. Let fear go. Let unbelief go. And ask God to take that away. If it's um, a hardness of heart, like the disciples, if it's offense or bitterness that's holding you from sharing Jesus, come and let that go, you know, come. Or maybe today you're stirred for God to use you in a massive way and you want more faith, more boldness, more courage. Zechariah 4.6 tells us it's not by might, not by power, but His Holy Spirit. And in Acts 8, they were filled with the Spirit and people came to be saved. I want to give you the opportunity for the Holy Spirit to minister this morning. So if that's you, I encourage you to come forward and have your time with God.